0: Unmade. Welcome to the Unmade podcast, looking at media and marketing from an Australian perspective. I'm Tim Burrows. Recently, I published my first book, Media Unmade. It quickly became an Amazon bestseller. It's the story of Australian media's most disruptive decade. It's published by Hardy Grant, and you can buy it at all good bookshops and online. In the coming weeks. I'll be sharing the full audio edition of the book here on the Unmade podcast. Coming up is the next chapter. Now remember, only Unmade's paying subscribers get to hear every chapter. If you haven't already, you can sign up at unmade.media. As well as supporting my work as an independent journalist, you'll receive exclusive industry analysis in both written and podcast form. And once you sign up, you'll still be able to get our paid podcasts inside the app of your choice. It only takes a couple of clicks. Now, on with the book. Chapter 19. Home, James. In which Seven runs out of steam and is overhauled by Nine. Prodigal son, James Warburton, replaces Tim Warner... And, as the company's massive debt threatens to get out of control, Warburton starts making deals, including a proposed merger with regional affiliate Prime. It was a matter of time. Those around Tim Warner had noticed that he no longer seemed to enjoy being boss of Seven West Media. The 2017 crisis over the affair with Amber Harrison and the effect on his family life, must have taken a toll. There had been two years of using the upfronts to apologise to Seven's advertisers for not meeting their ratings expectations and promising to do better. And director Ryan Stokes, son of proprietor Kerry, was no longer listening to Warner with the respect he once had. The commercial lead over Nine that Warner's predecessor David Lecky had built, had been eroded. For the first time in 13 years, Nine pulled in more advertising revenue than Seven. In the final six months of 2017, Nine had taken a 38.3% share of the advertising market, ahead of Seven's 37.9% share and Ten's 23.8%. Despite its big new cooking show, Hell's Kitchen, presented by Marco Pierre White, being crushed by Nine's The Block, Seven had still scrapped its way to a win in the 2017 ratings year by a narrow margin, with a network audience share of 29.6% to Nine's 28.1%. But Nine had easily won in the key advertising demographics of 2554 and 1639. At the upfront looking forward to 2018, Warner had acknowledged, We want to get our hand up and say this wasn't our best win. In fact, it's been our toughest in recent history. The year 2018 was to be a slight improvement for Seven, but still disappointing. In main channel viewing share, Seven narrowly won again, but lost to Nine in 2554. Nine's tacky reality show, Married at First Sight, had grown to be the biggest series of the year, with an average Metro audience of 1.45 million, well ahead of Seven's fading My Kitchen Rules on 1.227 million. The Block, The Voice, And the new show set on a glorified obstacle course, Ninja Warrior, had all done well for Nine. Thanks to The Bachelor, MasterChef, Gogglebox and Have You Been Paying Attention, Ten had more homemade entertainment shows in the year's top 20 than Seven for the first time ever. Seven's House Rules crashed to an average Metro audience of 836,000 and Seven's Australian Spartan, a knockoff of Nine's Ninja Warrior, pulled in only 447,000 viewers. The strength of Seven's performance in Perth, the reliable 6pm Seven News Bulletin, and good AFL viewing figures, the West Coast Collingwood Grand Final, pulled in 2.6 million Metro viewers, were hiding deeper problems. Seven's upfront announcement for 2019, looked even more defensive and derivative. Relationship show The Super Switch looked a lot like a response to the success of Married at First Sight. The Proposal looked like an answer to Ten's The Bachelor franchise. There were not many new ideas. My Kitchen Rules and House Rules were announced for new seasons, and Andrew Denton's interview which had won praise for the quality of its first season in 2018, but had not rated, was also renewed. The tenth season of My Kitchen Rules fell below 1 million Metro viewers for the first time. The proposal was a flop, nominated by industry website TV Black Box as Worst Show of the Year, describing it as a train wreck of an excuse for a show, TV Black Box had harsh things to say about Seven's entire lineup: Instant Hotel, The Proposal, Zumbos Just Desserts, Bride and Prejudice, Real Dirty Dancing, MKR, House Rules, they all blur together into a beige package of poorly produced, uninspired, cheap dribble which the nation rightly chose to ignore. The change finally came in August 2019. Tim has been a tireless leader at Seven for more than two decades and has been Chief Executive Officer for the past six years, said the statement from Kerry Stokes. All parties agree now is the time for a change. And it was a big one. Eight years after his acrimonious departure to Run 10, James Warburton was coming home. The highly public court case over Warburton's notice period was in the past. Warburton had made his peace with Kerry Stokes back in 2013 after being fired from 10. I reached out to Kerry, reveals Warburton. I just wanted to apologise for how it ended. I really regretted it. We had a long chat and he wished me well. What will never be known is whether Warburton would have taken Seven on a different path if he had stuck around back then and succeeded Lecky as CEO. Before going, he'd been working on plans to push Seven into digital opportunities. While he was away, Seven had got in bed with Foxtel for the Presto streaming joint venture. Presto's failure meant that while Ten had Ten All Access and Nine had Stan, Seven had no subscription video service, one of the places where the growth of the TV industry lay. On the flip side, the knowledge he gained while well away, working with private equity firms and gaining experience in mergers and acquisitions, would prove valuable. In a sign of the times, Warburton took the job with the fixed part of his salary, set at $1.35 million. It was a lot less than the $2.2 million Lachlan Murdoch had offered him to join TEN back in 2011, or indeed, of predecessor Tim Warner's, $2.5 million. Warburton's appointment came on the 16th of August 2019, four days before the release of Seven's annual financial results. The first set of numbers after a CEO departs is usually an opportunity for the successor to take the trash out. The last duty of the incumbent is usually to be a human shield for their successor. And it was a bad set of numbers. Seven West Media wrote down the book value of its TV licences by almost half, from $956 million to $541 million. Seven's TV advertising revenue was on the verge of falling below a billion dollars for the first time in decades, hovering on $1.006 billion. And there wasn't much claim to being a multimedia company the Western Australian newspaper operation had brought in $103 million in advertising and $57 million in cover sales, and Pacific magazines had sold only $34 million in advertising to bolster its $90 million in circulation revenue. Before taxes and financing costs, Seven's TV business had seen its profit fall from $240 million to $221 million. Newspapers' profits were down from $31 million to $27 million, and PacMag's profits were down from $10 million to $8 million. Despite the company cutting costs by $38 million, it still owed the banks $653 million. It was due in two tranches, in November 2021 and 2022. The company wasn't in quite as much trouble as 10 had been when it went into administration, but it wasn't far off if it could not do something about the debt. Nonetheless, Warburton was talking a brave game. We have incredibly strong assets and our focus moving forward is to speed up the rate of transformation while exploring opportunities for growth in our core and adjacent markets, said his statement to the ASX. We will revitalise our entertainment programming, creating momentum to engage Heartland Australia and enrich the demographic mix, ensuring we are the most relevant and exciting offer to advertisers." Most eyebrow-raising, given the company's debt levels, made most people see Seven as prey. Warburton added, We will be a hunter and explore M&A opportunities in both traditional media and non-traditional adjacencies that are positive for our shareholders. Warburton soon made clear what he meant when he said he intended to enrich the demographic mix. He was finally going to try to take Seven's audience younger of the big three networks, Seven had always pulled in the oldest audience. That had helped the company bulk out its numbers for the ego satisfying annual overall ratings battle, but most advertisers were more interested in 25 to 54, where Nine was the clear leader. I've been very open about the fact that we have aging war horses in a couple of formats, and that we have skewed too old in some areas, so that is our focus. You don't want to alienate the core viewers that you have and skew the network too young either. But really what it's about is actually reconnecting with creative ideas that the public comes to expect from Seven. You don't flick a switch. You don't do it in five minutes flat. We have to invest and we have to build our schedule. Sunday to Tuesday, 7.30pm is our problem. Warburton needed a couple of temp poles the shows to support the rest of the schedule. The next deadline Warburton faced was less than two months away. On the 23rd of October, he would need to step onto the stage in front of hundreds of advertisers and media executives at the International Convention Centre in Sydney and convince them that he had a good plan for 2020. On Mumbrella, I suggested it was the most important speech of his career. The challenge for Warburton was to make sure he had something substantial to talk about. He went into M&A mode. On the 18th of October, his plans began to emerge. First, there was a quick dash for cash. The company agreed to sell its 10 Red Wave radio stations in Western Australia to Southern Cross Stereo for $28 million. It created few ripples. In truth, many in the industry had forgotten that Seven West Media even owned any radio stations. It was a bigger deal for Southern Cross Australia, which was able to integrate the Red FM stations into the Hit Network and the Spirit FM stations as part of Triple M. Southern Cross Australia now had a national footprint of 96 stations, far bigger than any other commercial operator. The other deal announced that day was much bigger. It was a merger with Seven's regional affiliate Prime Media. Culturally it would be a takeover, with Seven absorbing Prime, but money would not change hands. Because Prime shareholders would get Seven West Media shares instead, Warburton would not need to increase the debt any further. The deal would make Seven Australia's first television network to have full national reach, since the law changed to allow broadcasting to more than 75% of the population. Nine's regional affiliate arrangement was with Southern Cross Austereo, while Ten was aligned with Wynn Corporation. The proposed transaction is a game-changer for advertisers and media buyers and cements Seven West Media's position as the superior advertising offering, proclaimed Warburton. Overnight, Seven West Media will be the leading, wholly owned, commercial, premium network that amasses a monthly Australian audience reach of 18 million people. The proposal still had a couple of obstacles to surmount. Australian Competition and Consumer Commission approval and agreement from the shareholders. By the time the seven upfront audience filed into the giant 5,000 capacity Sydney Theatre on the evening of the 23rd of October 2019, nine and ten had already set out their wares for the year. Nine's big budget upfront at Fox Studios the week before had seen a lengthy presentation followed by an expensive carnival themed party, including an indoor roller coaster and a live performance from Guy Sebastian. And Ten had focused on emphasising the CBS connection with Chief Sales Officer Rod Prosser recording a sketch with the host of The Late Late Show, James Corden. Seven's show was spectacular. Perhaps the best upfront production Australia had seen, with soaring music, theatrical storytelling and an array of actors and athletes. The main message from Warburton was that Seven would win the ratings in 2020, because the network had the rights to air the Olympics in July. The Olympics was mentioned 23 times during the presentation. The programming announcements themselves were Seven sticking to familiar formats, reviving Big Brother and The Farmer Wants a Wife, which had both at last been seen on Nine. Warburton, a consummate salesman, rose to the occasion. He appeared nerveless on stage, and he took the doctrine of using your predecessor as a shield to the extreme. We've let others take a share of what we've been so good at in the past, he told the audience. We haven't thrown a punch over the last quarter and... To be frank, it's been disappointing, but it's important to be totally transparent and to ensure that everyone in this room knows what our plans to address it are. Our competitors have had it easy. We've not been ourselves. We haven't had a clear strategy nor focus, but from here on in, we will be fierce. And there was more. Seven had always been known for its reliable tentpole shows, such as My Kitchen Rules. But everything had faded at once. As a content company in recent times, we've lost our way in our entertainment strategy and tentpole strategy. We haven't invested in these tentpoles, we haven't developed them, and accordingly, from Sunday to Tuesday, 7.30pm, has been a real problem. We've been weak, inward-focused, tired and stagnant. And recently, we've had a string of poor programs and failures by our own high standards. These shows haven't evolved, and to be honest, they've looked tired. But what a base from which to reinvest and reinvent them. Warburton concluded by promising the audience, we will be fresh and relaunch our brand. We'll be younger in look and feel. We'll be reinvigorated and we will deliver more Australians than ever before. We won't let you down. Walton had been correct about the weak slate he inherited. In 2019, Nine won the all-people demographic for the first time in 12 years, although it insisted it only cared about winning 25-54, where the advertisers were, and Nine won that too, along with 16-39. In the list of the top 20 entertainment shows for the year, nine had 16 shows, with Married at First Sight dominating and the Hamish Blake-fronted Lego Masters proving to be a family-friendly surprise hit. 10 appeared in the list three times, with The Bachelor finale and two appearances from his new shiny floor show, The Masked Singer. The only show from seven In the entire top 20 was Celebrity Striptease Show, The Real Full Monty. That was the latest chapter of my narration of my book, Media Unmade. You can buy the book online and at all good bookstores. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to hear all future chapters, you'll need to be a paying subscriber of Unmade. You can sign up at unmade.media. That's the URL Simply unmade.media. Once you do, it only takes a couple of clicks to add the paid for feed to the podcast app of your choice. The book was written and recorded in northwest Tasmania on the land of the Palawa people. This podcast is produced with the enthusiastic help of Abe's Audio. For voiceovers and audio production, from corporate to commercial, go to abesaudio.com.au. I'll be back with the next chapter soon. Toodle pip.